It's Monday, July 17th, 2017. I'm Ian Shapiro, and you're listening to Politics Explained. Now let's get to the politics. Today, Donald Trump only uttered a single tweet. Donald Trump on Twitter says, Most politicians would have gone to a meeting like the one Don Jr. attended in order to get info on an opponent. That's politics. This is wrong for a number of reasons. Number one, because Donald Trump is the only person saying it. That's He's the only person who has this defense. That means at a very basic standpoint, this argument lacks reliability. It's not going to work over and over again with repeated trials because there's just not going to be anyone else to actually back it up. You know, individuals like Marco Rubio looked at things like uh, DNC email hacks during the election and said, we should all be terrified that this is happening, that none of us want a foreign entity to be, you know, trying to manipulate our election. And you Republicans who are celebrating now, you should be ashamed because what would happen if some of your internal info got out there and then people would begin to see how the sausage gets made. And that's not saying that there's like terrible things in Republican emails. It's simply saying that politics is tricky And sometimes people get heated and say weird off-kilter things in emails. And when you take those as like someone's true feelings or, you know, their positions at any given time, then that can get dangerous, right? Because then we're extrapolating from small bits of information. The point is, is that this is a really strange defense and it's one of many uh, that none of them work. Look. Donald Trump Jr. is either an idiot to take the mission, to take the mission. Oh, that sounds a little bad. He's either an idiot to have taken the meeting with Russia and not reporting something like this to the FBI. Like we've talked about how he's a political novice or he is willing to collude with Russia in order to help win the 2016 presidential election, which given the text of the email saying things like, if what you say you have is what you really have, I love it. That tends to be what it sounds like. But that's just from the available evidence. There could obviously be more emails out there that, you know, make him look more like an idiot than a colluder. Uh, Anyway, that's Trump's only tweet today. Let's see what else is in the news. Just like Donald Trump, sometimes we all want to just hear someone say that you're doing a good job and that they're proud of you. So here's a call in from Edgar. Thanks in advance, Edgar. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I agree, uh, with what you're saying in this podcast and want to, uh, congratulate you. If you've been paying attention to the news, as I have, both print and, you know, uh, on the television and online journalism, yeah, you're probably seeing that there's not a whole lot going on today. So in lieu of there not really being any big political news, I guess we're gonna have to 
oh boy, talk about political science, which is generally my favorite thing to talk about while on the show. So here's the topic in political science that I want to hit on today, because I think it's especially topical and it's something that we should get hammered into our heads over and over again. And that is the idea of motivated skepticism, right? We hear all about fake news and being in your own personal news bubble. However, what's actually going on in your human brain to make it so that you just kind of willingly and unconsciously accept the things that MSNBC says if you're a liberal or if you're a liberal automatically reject what all the individuals uh, you know, commentator or journalist uh, alike, say on Fox News Station. The idea of motivated skepticism is drawn from the larger idea that all reasoning is motivated in some way. When you reason about the things that you see and take in, all that stimuli, you're either interested in accuracy goals, figuring out what's really going on. You're motivated to seek out and carefully consider relevant evidence to reach a correct or best conclusion. However, your goals don't have to be accuracy-based when you're taking on new information. They could be partisan goals, right? You could be motivated by the team that you're on to reason a way, you know, compelling evidence that hurts your pre-existing beliefs, or you could just blindly accept information that seems to jive well with your partisan priors. The really scary thing about partisan goal-based reasoning is that sometimes your processing of information is driven by automatic affective processes. That's right, you're not even all the time cognitively aware that you're just blindly accepting information when it jives well with your pre-existing political beliefs. That means that while you may think that you're a well-educated individual, you may not have very much control over what news stories you think are hogwash and what news stories you think are compelling evidence in favor of your preferred candidate or policy position. Scientists that have studied motivated reasoning or motivated skepticism have basically lined out for us the effects of affect-driven motivated reasoning. The first is called prior attitude effect. This is when you feel strongly about an issue, and then you're asked to evaluate arguments for and against that issue. Now, even when you're told to leave your preferences aside and be as objective as possible, individuals tend to evaluate arguments that support their position as stronger, well-crafted arguments than the opposing argument. Now, we also, in addition to a prior attitude effect, have a disconfirmation bias. This means that people will spend more time and cognitive resources trying to tear apart and counter-argue uh, basically information that is attitudinally incongruent with what your prior attitude is. So if you have an existing attitude and someone comes at you, you're going to fight like hell to defend the position that you already own, even if their argument is a whole lot better and they're just objectively correct. Also, along with this disconfirmation bias, we know about confirmation bias. This is what I talked about a little bit earlier. It's when, well, 
let's put it this way. There are a lot of different types of news sources that you have the power to go to. There's tons of cable news channels, there's lots of different opinion blogs, and there's a ton of places online where you can get your news. When you have the freedom to seek out where you get your information from, you're most likely going to choose to expose yourself to people and ideas that confirm the things that you already believe in. Why is this the case? Well, it's not because you're a bad or you know disruptive person. It's just that none of us like that icky feeling of cognitive dissonance of being told we're wrong. Nobody likes to be told we're wrong. We like to get free hugs and be told that the things that we've been thinking all our lives are the right, correct, and nice thing to do. At this point, you're probably asking, how can I make sure that my reasoning is more accuracy-based than it is partisan-based? Well, it has some to do with self-awareness. If you know that you're going to be predisposed to blindly accept information that you agree with, then maybe look at the sourcing of that information. Or try to ask your friends who haven't read the story yet if they can think of a good counter-argument. Anything that can help you see dissenting viewpoints and hear the other side. Those can all be good tactics. So in this way, you can kind of use your social networks and social pressure to say, Hey, am I totally off base here? Another time to another way to get rid of uh, you know sometimes the effects of motivated reasoning are to have situations where accuracy is encouraged, right? On a test, you're not going to pick your favorite answer. You're going to try really hard to pick the correct answer. So you have motivation to be correct versus just say, I like ice cream. So ice cream is probably the thing that melts the fastest when actually it might be ice. If you're still interested about motivated reasoning, call into the station. Have you ever experienced motivated reasoning or witnessed someone you love and care about? experience motivated reasoning it can be kind of a strange thing over time to witness uh yeah <laughs> call in talk to me about it motivated reasoning hey everyone it's ian shapiro here with politics explained before we get to our ending segment we have some breaking news again from edgar take it away edgar you know him you love him edgar everyone hey ian it's edgar thank you so much for uh uh, giving me a little shout out there. Appreciate it. Just so you know, I was actually just showing a friend of mine how Anchor works, and uh, <laughs> I just would I just decided to make like a silly uh, callback so I can show my buddy how how Anchor uh, you know does all the the interviewing and everything like that. So I'm, I don't actually sound like crazy or anything. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I really do enjoy your show though. And uh, I look forward to hearing more and more um, from Politics Explained. So all right, have a great day. Bye. Hey everyone, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all for listening to Politics Explained. Uh, we do try to get this out each and every day. Sometimes we miss a day or so on the weekend, um, spending time with family during that stuff. Uh, and at this point, I've been using my audio setup pretty frequently, and I feel like it's kind of kind of weak to uh, you know have some nice voice quality over the week, and then on the weekend, just kind of give some stuff that's a bit less listenable. Uh, so unless like big stuff comes out and I have time, I think this is going to be put up in podcast form as a five day a week show, and we usually run from like ten to fifteen minutes, just giving everyone an update on kind of you know how the format of the show is 
evolving. If you have the Anchor app, you can send call-ins as you saw today. Uh, they can be shout-outs or they can also be uh, you know, substantive questions about politics and things going on in American politics, and I can do my best to answer them or I can you know, also grab from my vast network of political scientists that do data and journalism and write you know, academic articles and try to get good answers from them as well. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to Politics Explained. Uh, the viewership is growing, uh, so I'll, I'll, maybe I'll bring in some some stats on that. But if you're listening, you're not alone. There seems to be a lot of people who are interested in getting a fairly fair-minded evaluation of what's going on in American politics, keeping up with this tumultuous uh, environment we find ourselves in, where it seems like something's happening each and every day. Well, I guess nothing really happened today. Anyway, I'm Ian Shapiro. Thanks for listening to Politics Explained. We'll be back tomorrow. And that's when we'll get back to the politics. Politics.